It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, live here on the Worldwide Sports Network here on this Tuesday, November the 2nd, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins live on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. It's Tuesday. We are fresh off of week eight. We heading into week nine. But before we head into week nine, y'all know I have to do a week eight recap. We're going to talk about the devastating foot injury that Derrick Henry suffered in the matchup against the Indianapolis Colts Sunday afternoon in Indy. Also, I'm going to give you guys my top five teams right now currently in the AFC. And also, I'm going to explain why the Green Bay Packers should trade for Odell Beckham. Today is the NFL trading deadline. And I believe the Packers should trade for Odell Beckham. So I'm going to talk about all that in the show. Also, I'm going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, ladies and gentlemen. They have quietly won three straight games. Quietly. Steelers sitting at four and three after a win over the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. So I'm going to talk about that. Also, I'm going to talk about my breakout performer for week eight and my disappointing performer as well in week eight. Who let me down? In week eight, it was so many people to choose from. It wasn't too many great performances in week eight, but I'll get into that a little bit later on the show. But we begin in the NFL in Cincinnati as the New York Jets beat the Cincinnati Bengals 34 31 on Sunday afternoon in New York. Bengals lost this game, they fall to five and three on the season. Jets get their second win of the season. For the New York Jets, Mike White, he went 37 to 45, four or five yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Joe Burrow, he went 21 to 34, threw for 259 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. So what went wrong for the Bengals in this game? So honestly, watching the game, it's not too hard to see where the Bengals struggled in this game and why they lost to a Jets team that only had one win. Defensively, the Bengals players, they should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Cincinnati this week. Seriously. I mean, the Jets got whatever they wanted, however they wanted, whenever they wanted to do it. They were able to run the football. They had 97 rushing yards on the afternoon. They were able to throw the ball as well, 415 passing yards. For this kid, Mike White, who is this kid? I mean, this kid was drafted in the 2018 draft in the fifth round by the Dallas Cowboys. And the Bengals defense made White look like the second coming of Joe Namath. I didn't know if it was Joe Namath out there or Mike White. The man completed 82% of his passes, and the Jets' offense had 32 first downs, and they dominated time of possession 36 to 23 in this game. And they were able to do whatever they wanted 
on this Bengals defense. They had no answers. They went six of 11 on third down, and they had 511 total yards of offense on the afternoon. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Like, the way they were able to dominate this game, you know, the way that they did, it got to be a major level of concern if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know if it was the fact that they were in New York. I don't know if the Bengals party, you know, the night before the game. But for whatever reason, they could not stop this Jets offense. And this is with their backup quarterback. This ain't Zach Wilson. This was their backup quarterback in the game playing at a high level for the Jets offense the way that he was. You would have thought the Bengals, especially coming off a dominating performance over the Baltimore Ravens, they would have brought that momentum to week eight going up against a Jets team that is one in five on the season. Like, it just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that the Bengals got dominated in the trenches the way they did in this game. But it's only one game. It's only one game because I've seen the Bengals play well defensively this year. You know, last week they held Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to 17 points. In week five against the Packers, they held Aaron Rodgers to only 25 points in that game. So I've seen this Bengals defense perform at a high level. Uh, you know, they, they normally only give up 18 points per game. But in this game, they gave up 34 points per game, 34 points, you know, to the Jets. So it was a letdown for the Bengals, you know, defensively. And again, I think their defense should be ashamed to show their faces. Offensively, the Bengals still had 318 total yards on the afternoon, 277 passing yards, 41 rushing yards. You know, so they always play well offensively. I mean, this is the elite, high-powered offense in the Cincinnati Bengals. And so you saw, you know, Joe Burrow, three touchdowns, one interception. You saw Tyler Boyd get in the mix, five receptions, 69 receiving yards, one touchdown. T. Higgins, he made some great catches in this game as well. Four receptions, 97 receiving yards. Chase had a quiet afternoon, three receptions, only 32 receiving yards. He did have one touchdown. But the Bengals offense did what they typically do, and that's score points, putting up 31 points on a Jets defense. You know, it was just the defense where the Bengals struggled in this game. And so this is one of the things that I want to say for the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming into the season, most people had the Bengals finishing fourth in the AFC North. And, you know, through the first seven games of the season, sitting at five and two, the Bengals have been one of the more surprising teams in the NFL. So now teams see that the Bengals have a very high-powered offense with Joe Burrow at the helm. You got an elite young receiver in Jameer Chase. You got T. Higgins. You got Tyler Boyd. You got Joe Mixon in the backfield. So now teams see that they have a very high-powered offense that can put up points quick, fast, and in a hurry. So now they have expectations. And so they aren't sneaking up on teams anymore. Like, People are and like teams are ready and they're prepared to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, and I think that's what happened in this game. The Jets, they were ready for the Bengals. The Bengals aren't surprising anyone anymore. We know the Bengals are a good football team and they have an elite offense led by Joe Burrow. So now they're going to get teams' best shot 
They're not going to sneak up on teams anymore. So I think they have to learn how to play with expectations because that's what this Bengals team has now, given the fact that they started the season off five and two, coming off a dominating performance over the Baltimore Ravens in week seven. Now you've got Bengal fans here locally and in the nation who have expectations for this team. So the Bengals have to be able to handle expectations and not have a letdown like they had Sunday afternoon in New York at MetLife Stadium. Because there is no reason why the Bengals should lose to the New York Jets. The Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Jets are fresh off getting beat down by the New England Patriots 54-13 to the week prior. So the Bengals are a superior team than the Jets. They are a more superior team. So they should have won this game. But they have to be able to handle expectations. And that's what I want to see going forward. Is Zach Taylor going to have this team performing well with expectations? They ain't sticking up on anybody anymore. Like I said, defensively, they were awful. And they got to get much better on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, they still playing at a very, very high level, scoring points. This is the one thing I will say, though, for the Cincinnati Bengals. As the season goes along, you know, here in Cincinnati, it's going to get cold. It's going to snow at some point. And, you know, the, the weather is going to change. It's not going to be 80 degrees and sunny. So you're not going to be able to throw the ball all over the yard. You have to be able to establish the running game with Joe Mixon. And that's going to be a key as we go farther along in the season. So far, you know, on the season, Joe Mixon, he has 137 carries for 572 rushing yards, five touchdowns, averaging four yards per carry. This has to be something that Zach Taylor stays committed to so the Bengals can play complimentary football. We know they are one of the best passing teams in the NFL. They got one of the best passing attacks with Joe Burrow, with Jameer Chase, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd. But you have to be able to play complimentary football come playoff time. You can't just throw the ball 35, 40 times a game and expect to win football games. You have to be able to establish the run to be able to play complimentary football and have a balanced attack. You don't want to be one-dimensional. So that's something I want to see as the season goes along, if Zach Taylor involves Joe Mixon more in the offense and stay committed to the running game, even if the Bengals are down on the scoreboard, stay committed to the running game because it's going to be important, you know, as we get later in the season, you know, when the Bengals are trying to get into the playoffs, if they do get to the playoffs, you don't you want to be able to run the football with Joe Mixon and not just have the entire offense relying on Joe Burrow throwing for over 300 passing yards and three or four touchdowns to win games. So that's something else I want that I'm looking forward to as the season goes along with the Bengals. Zach Taylor establishing a running game. So the Bengals fall to five and three. They are now second in the division. They have a big time matchup next week against the Cleveland Browns. This is an AFC North battle. Browns, I'm going to talk about them here shortly. But question, do I think the Bengals can bounce back against the Browns at home next week? It's going to be a great game. The Browns, honestly, they're desperate. They are desperate. AFC North battle, Bengals five and two, you know, Browns four and four. It's going to be, it's going to be a battle, you know, here at Paul Brown Stadium for the Battle of Ohio. 
It's going to be interesting. I think the Bengals can bounce back because I don't really believe in the Browns defense right now, but we'll see what happens. We'll talk about that, you know, later on this week when I give my predictions for week nine. Let's transition. Let's talk about the other AFC North teams as there was a battle in Cleveland Sunday afternoon as the Pittsburgh Steelers, they won their third straight game, beating the Cleveland Browns 15 to 10. On the afternoon, Ben Roethlisberger, he went 22 of 34, 266 yards passing, one touchdown for the Browns. Baker Mayfield went 20 of 31, 225 passing yards. So how much blame does Baker deserve? First and foremost, I want to say that I have been very critical of Baker Mayfield. Because when you look at the weapons that the Cleveland Browns have, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Odell Beckham, you got Austin Hooper at tight end, you got Njoku, and you also got a dynamic tandem at the running back position in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So the reason why I've been critical of Baker Mayfield is because if we insert any competent quarterback, I believe the Cleveland Browns would be ranked in the top five in the NFL because they have so many weapons to distribute the football to. If you put Ryan Tannehill in the Browns offense, I think the Browns offense can flourish at a very, very high level. And so the reason why I've been critical of Baker Mayfield is the Browns this season, when it comes to late game situations, when they have an opportunity to win games late, they have come up short. And the reason why is Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. And so, you know, that's the issue that I've had with them. And, you know, they've had three opportunities to win games this year when they had the ball offensively. You remember week one against the Kansas City Chiefs? They had an opportunity to, you know, have the go-ahead touchdown in that game and possibly upset the Chiefs you know, at the time in week one. And do you remember in week five against the Chargers, they had an opportunity in that game to score the go-ahead touchdown and win the game. Both times they came up short and they came up short yesterday afternoon against the Pittsburgh Steelers again. And that's my issue with them right now. I don't believe though, watching this game, that Baker Mayfield deserves a lot of blame. Because I saw Jarvis Landry have three drops and a critical fumble in this game. You saw Higgins also have a drop. You saw Austin Hooper. He had a drop. Odell Beckham in this game, what did he have? One reception, you know, for seven yards. And it was on a screen. It was on a screen. So I've been very critical of Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to be critical of Baker Mayfield in the week eight loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought his supporting cast let him down in this particular game. Now, again, in the past, I thought Baker Mayfield let his team down when they had opportunities to score, go ahead, touchdowns, and win the game. But yesterday, his supporting cast let him down. And also, right now, defensively, the Browns, they have been disappointing so far this season. And two games this year where the Browns have scored 30 and 42 points. They have two losses because their defense has let them down. You remember in the offseason, the Browns spent a lot of money 
on defense. They brought in Troy Hill from the LA Rams. They brought in John Johnson also from the LA Rams and they signed to Davion Clowney as well in free agency. So the fact that they're struggling the way that they are defensively is a major, major disappointment for Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns overall. They have to get better defensively and they got the personnel to do so. Unlike the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe the Cleveland Browns have the personnel to be an average to at least good defensive team. You got Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. You got Jadavion Clowney as well on the defensive side of the ball. Again, you got Troy Hill, you got John Johnson. You know, you got some players who can make plays defensively. You know, you got Greedy Williams, you know, who is great at being able to cover opposing wide receivers. So I don't understand why the Browns are struggling the way they are defensively. I mean, they, they really are struggling and they have given up a ton of points this year. I mean, you look at this year so far, they gave up 33 to the Chiefs. You know, they gave up 47 to the Chargers. And then they gave up 37 to the Arizona Cardinals. So this defense has been awful so far through the first eight weeks of the season. And if they want to be a playoff contender in the AFC, they have to improve defensively. We always talk about Baker Mayfield and his shortcomings. We need to start talking about this Browns defense and how they are coming up short. Also, in the fourth quarter, the Browns, they are on minus 23 in fourth quarter points compared to their opposition. Last year, they were a minus 25. That tells me they don't know how to win games late in the fourth quarter. And if you want to be a true contender in the AFC, you have to be able to win close games late in the fourth quarter. Offensively, you'd have to be able to execute, move the football, you know, move the chains and score points when your offense needs to score points. Also, defensively, you have to be able to get timely stops. Again, I don't expect this defense to be a top five defense in the NFL, but with the person that they have, there's no excuse for why they give up so many points the way that they do. And so right now, you know, the Cleveland Browns, they are trending in the wrong direction. They've lost three out of the last four games. This is after starting the season three and one. And they were my preseason pick to win the AFC North. They've been disappointing so far this season. Honestly, after the Miami Dolphins, they've probably been the most disappointing team in the NFL. They got so much talent on this team, so much talent. There is no excuses to be four and four right now. And they are average football team. So like I said, in this particular game, I don't believe Baker Mayfield should get most of the blame because his supporting cast let him down. And you remember in this game, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost their kicker Boswell. So they had to, you know, change the way that, that they go about their game plan because they weren't able to kick field goals when they got in Brown's territory and the Browns still weren't able to win this game. Pittsburgh only been able to score 15 points. They shouldn't have been able to beat the Cleveland Browns scoring only 15 points, not with the, so the weapons that Baker Mayfield has at his disposal. No. So that's what I feel about the Browns. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers quietly 
They have won three straight games and they're playing, you know, some good football right now. Like we look at Ben Roethlisberger, the first four games of the season, Steelers, they were one and three. They, the team's points per game, they were averaging 17 points per game, 6.1 yards per attempt. Roethlisberger had four touchdowns, four interceptions. The last three games, the Steelers are 3-0. They're averaging 22 points per game. They're averaging 7.6 yards per attempt. And Roethlisberger has four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That is a key right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of the main reasons why they are on a three-game winning streak. Because Roethlisberger, the last three games, hasn't turned the football over. And that's what you need for a Pittsburgh Steelers team that isn't a high-powered offense. They're not a high-powered offense, you know, like the L.A. Chargers or like the Arizona Cardinals or like the Tempe Buccaneers. This is an offense that has to be led by running back Najee Harris. Najee Harris, I like that the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted him out of Alabama because I think in order for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get back to being true contenders in the AFC, they have to establish the run with Najee Harris. And in this game, he had close to 100 yards rushing on the afternoon. He had 26 carries, 91 rushing yards, and he had one touchdown, averaging over three and a half yards per carry. That's a key for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have to get back to running the football, you know, effectively, and that way they can set up the play-action pass with Ben Roethlisberger. For the last few years and in the first few games of this season, they wanted to throw the ball all over the yard with Ben Roethlisberger. That is not the formula for them to win games. You have to be able to run the football. And I thought they did a great job at establishing the run in this game against the Browns. You know, I think Najee Harris should have at least 25 touches per game, at least. You shouldn't have Roethlisberger throwing the ball, you know, 40 times a game. That's a recipe for disaster. The fact that they were able to establish the running game in this game against the Cleveland Browns, I believe that is why the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to win their third consecutive game. Had 115 rushing yards on the afternoon. Harris had 91 of those 115 rushing yards. And so, you know, I think that's the key to the Pittsburgh Steelers now, you know, all of a sudden, winning three straight games. You know, like they're playing some good football right now. They really, really are. Now, do I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are contenders in the AFC? I do not. I still don't believe in their offense. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to rely on Najee Harris, you know, consistently throughout the course of the season. You know, they want to throw the ball all over the yard for some reason with Claypool, with, you know, Deontay Johnson. But – if they want to have an opportunity to comp compete for a playoff spot, you got to run the football with Najee Harris. That's my key for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I also believe Big Ben is wa washed. I think Roethlisberger is washed at this point of his career. But Pittsburgh is playing well. Quietly won three straight games. And you look at the AFC North right now. Baltimore, they got completely dominated in week seven against the Cincinnati Bengals. They are 5-2 and two on the season. Bengals lost to the Jets. You know, on Sunday, they 5-3 on the season. Browns, they are 500, 4-4 on the season. Pittsburgh right now sitting at, you know, 4-3. and three. You know, they got a shot. They got a shot in the AFC North. 
This is the best division in pro football, hands down. Now, the Browns, are they still playoff contenders? If they 4-4 right now, the next four games, they're at Cincinnati. That's a toss-up. They're at New England, toss-up, especially the way the Patriots are playing right now. Home against the Lions, that's a win for the Browns. And then they're at Baltimore. So, you know, this could get very, very interesting for the Cleveland Browns over the next four weeks. Week 12, they're at Baltimore. So that's going to be a big-time game in the AFC North. So we're going to see if, if Cleveland, if, if these next four games, I would say they have to go at least two and two. They can't go one and three. They'll beat the Detroit Lions, you know, week 11 in Cleveland. But the Bengals and Patriots games over the next, you know, few weeks, those are toss-ups. Those are toss-ups. It'll be a big-time win if the Cleveland Browns can come to Cincinnati and beat the Cincinnati Bengals here on Sunday. That'll be a big-time win for them and their chances of being able to win the division. But, you know, if they can go two and two, maybe three and one over these next four weeks, they'll have an opportunity to win the AFC North and position themselves to be a playoff team. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough stretch run in the AFC North. I really don't know who the favorites are right now. I really, really don't. Like, before week eight, I would have said the Bengals are the favorites in the AFC North. But at this moment, I really don't know. Let's transition. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans as Derrick Henry is potentially going to be done for the season. He's going to miss six to ten weeks for the Tennessee Titans. This is fresh off a 34-31 to 31 win in overtime in an AFC South battle in Indianapolis. So if Derrick Henry is out for the season, the Tennessee Titans season is over. It's over because we're talking about Derrick Henry and there's no player in the NFL who is as important to his team as Derrick Henry. He's the most important player in the NFL to his particular team. I love Aaron Rodgers and what he means to the Green Bay Packers. Patrick Mahomes, and what he means to the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, Lamar Jackson and what he does for the Baltimore Ravens. But there is no player in the NFL more important to their team than Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, the man is fresh off a 2,000-yard season. He was en route to another 2,000-yard season, you know, with 937 rushing yards so far this season, averaging 4.3 yards per carry. 10 touchdowns, you know, on a season, which leads leads the league right now, currently. Derrick Henry, he handled 219 out of the 230 total rushing attempts by the Tennessee Titans. He has 353 more rushing yards than anyone else in the NFL right now. 353 more rushing yards than any other player currently. And he accounts for 36% of the Titans' offense. So, yes, I believe if Derrick Henry is lost for the season, the Tennessee Titans' season is over. Now, they can compete and possibly win games, but they're not going to be true Super Bowl contenders and be a team that I, that I could see representing the AFC in the Super Bowl in February. It's just not going to happen when you lose 
the caliber of player like a Derrick Henry, the best running back in the NFL. It's not going to happen. And they have currently a three-game lead in the AFC South over the Indianapolis Colts. But without Derrick Henry, this team isn't going anywhere. And it, there were talks about how, you know, the trading deadline is today at 4 p.m. Maybe the Tennessee Titans can trade, you know, for a running back that they can bring into their system and team up with Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But even if they do, there's no running back that is going to be able to give you the production that Derrick Henry gives you. And when you talk about the Tennessee Titans, they are one of those teams that never waver what they do best. They always stick to who they are. You saw in the Sunday afternoon matchup against the Colts, they were down 14-0 early in that game. And they continue to run the football with Derrick Henry. Like, they continue to stick to what they do best, and that's, you know, winning at the line of scrimmage, winning in the trenches, and running the football with Derrick Henry. Now, I could see the Tennessee Titans thinking, like, we don't got Derrick Henry anymore. So now we got these weapons like Julio Jones, like A.J. Brown. Now, in order to win football games, our formula is going to have to change to being a pass-dominant offensive team. And I don't think that's something that you can do, you know, with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback if you want to be a true contender in the AFC. I just don't see it. Ryan Tannehill, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Joe Burrow. Like, I think that is something that will hurt the Tennessee Titans. And ultimately, I think their season is over when it comes to being true contenders in the AFC. I really, really do. So that's a devastating foot injury that Derrick Henry suffered in the week eight win over the Indianapolis Colts. And so we're going to see if the Titans will be able to bounce back. I don't see it happening, though. They are leading the division right now, though. And so this upcoming week, they got a big-time matchup, you know, in L.A. against the L.A. Rams. And then they're home against the Saints in Week 10, home against the Houston Texans in Week 11, and they're in New England for Week 12. Let's transition. And I want to talk about Odell Beckham. One of the things that I have learned being an entrepreneur and being, you know, young in America and just growing up is I was always taught that you should take risk in life because if you don't take risk in life, you will become stagnant. And, you know, the people who are successful in life, whether it be an entrepreneur, you know, whether it be someone in, in sports, whether it be someone in music, you know, whatever industry that you are in, the people who are typically successful are the people who take risks, you know, whether it be, you know, moving to a bigger city, you know, to be able to promote your brand, you know, whether it be taking on a job opportunity with a particular company that you're not familiar with, but it's going to possibly help you financially because you'll be able to make more money. You know, some people, they stay at jobs, not because they're necessarily happy, but because they are comfortable and they don't take risk and go to another job that's going to pay you more, but you aren't familiar with that job. They just want to stay comfortable. And I think comfort can be to your demise as an individual. So when I look at 
the situation right now with the Green Bay Packers and potential trades that the Packers could make by the trading deadline today, which is at 4 p.m., uh, I'm looking at Odell Becker. And this is for general manager Brian Gutekus of the Green Bay Packers. I'm Trey Larkins, Brian. I'm host of Wise Guys Sports out here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Go and follow me on Twitter, WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And if I were speaking right now to Brian Gutekus, this is what I would tell him. Exactly. I'm a big-time Packers fan. Always have been a Packers fan. Since I was two years old, I was a Packers fan. Like my mom, she bought me Packers toothbrushes. She bought me Packer comforters, Packer cups. You know, like I had so much Packers gear growing up. That's why I hate when Cincinnati Bingo fans always try to tell me that I'm a bandwagon fan because that's not the case. I've always been a Packers fan since I've known what football is. Like since I've even known about football, I've always been a Packers fan. And so I'm 30 years old. So I grew up in the Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers era, an era in which we have had not one, but two of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, two first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And more times than not, teams, they don't have back-to-back franchise quarterbacks who are legendary. I mean, this is something that never happens. And so the fact that Packer fans have been spoiled because we've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you know, over the last 30 years is something that I cherish and something that, you know, is something that can't be taken lightly because it's something that you can't take for granted. Like normally teams don't get back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But although we've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, we only have three Super Bowl appearances with two legendary quarterbacks. We have two Super Bowl wins with two of the best to ever do it. So dare I say that the Packers have underachieved with only two Super Bowl wins in the last 30 years with two legendary quarterbacks, three Super Bowl appearances during that time frame, And a part of the reason why we only have two Super Bowls in the last 30 years is because the Packers organization has been way too conservative and not aggressive trying to win Super Bowls. When you have quarterbacks like Brett Favre, like Aaron Rodgers, two legendary quarterbacks, you have to be aggressive and not conservative when it comes to building your football team. And so that's why I believe we only have two Super Bowls in the last 30 years. Now, do we win Games? Yes. Do we win division titles? Yes. Do we win playoff games? Yes. But only having two Super Bowls in the Favre Rodgers era is a major 
disappointment. And just starting recently and participating in free agency because for many years in the past, the Packers didn't participate in free agency. Their formula was we're going to draft and develop talent. But when you want to win Super Bowls, you have to be aggressive and be active at the trading deadline. Did you see what the LA Rams did in trading for Von Miller and teaming up Von Miller with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey? Did you see last year what the 10 Bay Buccaneers did bringing in Rob Gronkowski, bringing in Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, guys who contributed in the Super Bowl, players that Tom Brady wanted apart of the 10 Bay Buccaneers. The Packers organization, they have been so conservative for so many years. It's time to change their formula and become more aggressive. Become more aggressive at the trading deadline. Stop being so damn conservative, please. Stop being so damn conservative. And I say all that to say the Green Bay Packers, the trade for Odell Beckham. They should be on the phone right now with the Cleveland Browns trying to trade for Odell Beckham. And I know everyone's going to say Odell is washed up. Odell is not the same player that he was when he was with the New York Giants. And so the reason why Odell Beckham isn't producing like he once did is not because he can't play anymore or because he's washed. It's because Baker Mayfield is his quarterback can you imagine Odell Beckham being paired up with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams like we wouldn't be talking about whether or not Odell Beckham can still play anymore we'll be talking about Odell Beckham being a top 10 receiver in the NFL and being a solid number two receiver to Devontae Adams I think it would resurrect his career And I think he would be rejuvenated going to a true Super Bowl contender in the Green Bay Packers and having an opportunity to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. Make no mistake about it. Odell Beckham has never at any point in his career had the caliber of quarterback like he would have with Aaron Rodgers if he were to be traded to the Green Bay Packers. Okay, and so even at the Packers team, offensively, everyone is expendable, not named Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, or Devontae Adams. Everyone is expendable. I love Marquez Valdez-Kim. I love Alan Lazar. I love veteran receiver Randall Cobb. But if we got an opportunity to trade for Odell Beckham and pair him up with Devontae Adams, I would gladly accept a trade involving Devontae Adams. And so when you look at Odell Beckham, these are some of his accomplishments. Two-time second-team all-pro receiver, three-time Pro Bowl receiver for his career. The man has 504 receptions, over 7,000 receiving yards, 
51 touchdowns for his career, averaging 14 yards per reception. And he has so many accomplishments. I'm only going to name a few. In eight years, the man has over 1,000 yards receiving. He had over 1,000 yards receiving five times. And these are some records. He has the most receiving yards in a season by a rookie with 1,305 receiving yards. He has the most receptions in a season by a rookie with 91. Let's go to his NFL overall accomplishments. He's the fastest player in NFL history to reach 100 career receptions in only 14 games. Took a man 14 games to have 100 career receptions. He has the most receiving yards in his first two NFL seasons. He's the only player in NFL history to have at least 1,300 receiving yards while playing in 12 or fewer games in a season. There are more accomplishments for Odell Beckham, but they are too many to list. Odell Beckham is still one of the best receivers in the NFL. And if you were to pair him up with Devontae Adams, the Green Bay Packers would be favorites to win the NFC. They'll be the favorites, in my opinion. And so sometimes it's okay in life to take risks. It's okay to pay the rent a little late because of a vacation. It's okay to let your wife go on a shopping spree and just give her the credit card. It's okay. It's okay every now and then to take risks in life and just live your life. So Packers organization, Brian Gutekus, Mark Murphy, please stop being so damn conservative and be a little bit aggressive at the trading deadline this afternoon and trade for Odell Beckham. I want to transition and I want to talk about the AFC and my top five teams right now in the AFC. Let's start off with number five. Although they just lost Derrick Henry, I got the Tennessee Titans right now as the fifth best team in the AFC. They're 6-2 right now. They are first in the AFC South. They've won four straight games. They won two games against the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, two of the best teams in the AFC over the last, you know, three years. They scored 30 points in three out of the last four games. They put up 27 in the other game against the Chiefs. And so they're averaging 28 points per game, which is ranked sixth right now in the NFL. They are averaging 148 rushing yards per game, which is ranked fourth in the NFL. But that was because they had Derrick Henry, who could be out right now for the season, as I mentioned earlier. But they still got A.J. Brown. They still got Julio Jones. And you got Ryan Tannehill, who's not elite, but Ryan Tannehill is good at his best. So I got the Tennessee Titans ranked fifth currently right now in the AFC. Now, I'll be honest. I went back and forth with my third and fourth teams in the AFC. But ultimately, I believe the Baltimore Ravens are the fourth best team right now in the AFC. Baltimore, they are fresh off a of bye week, sitting at five and two on the season. They are first right now in the AFC North. 
because the Bengals lost to the New York Jets and dealing with all of the injuries that they dealt with before the season started. I mean, they got so many players on IR. They are currently five and two on the season and they still got Lamar Jackson at quarterback who's averaging 268 passing yards per game, which is ranked ninth in the NFL. Lamar Jackson for the season, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions, completing 65% of his passes. They got a top three rushing attack in the NFL, averaging 149 rushing yards per game. Defensively, they are ranked fourth against the run. They're only giving up 86 rushing yards per game. They still have a proven head coach in John Harbaugh, and this is a winning organization in the Baltimore Ravens. They are my fourth best team in the AFC, but they ain't number three, though, because they lost to this team in week seven, the number three team right now in the AFC, despite their week eight loss to the Jets, it is the Cincinnati Bengals at five and three on the season. They are second in the AFC North. Have you seen this elite Bengals offense? They are averaging 28 points per game, which is ranked seventh in the NFL. They average 382 yards per game, which is ranked 13th in the NFL. you got Jameer Chase, who's playing some great football. He is the rookie of the year. As far as I'm concerned, offensively, right now, Jameer Chase, 38 receptions, 786 receiving yards, seven touchdowns on the season. But he wouldn't be able to catch the passes that he's catching if it wasn't for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, completing 68% of his passes. He's a dark horse right now for NFL MVP honors. And he is a part of the reason why the Bengals are right now second in the AFC North behind the Baltimore Ravens. And he's playing some great football. You still got T. Higgins. You still got Tyler Boyd in the slot for the Cincinnati Bengals. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL because of Joe Burrow and Jameer Chase. They are my third team right now in the AFC, but they can't be number two because the Las Vegas Raiders are sitting at five and two on the season. They are first right now in the AFC West. It's not the LA Chargers. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs. It is the Raiders. And despite all of the turmoil that this team has going on right now, they've won two straight games and they are led by interim head coach Rich Bashotti, and he's doing a great job at leading this Las Vegas Raiders team. And in all five wins this season, the Raiders have scored at least 25 points. They are averaging 308 total yards passing per game, which is second in the NFL. Derek Carr, he's having a good season. I wouldn't say great, but he's having a good season. 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, completing 68% of his passes. Defensively, they are playing good football. They are improving as the season has went along. They haven't given up 30 points at any point this season. We talk about the worst defenses in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks. The Raiders are better than those teams. They are average. 
So they are my number two team right now currently in the AFC, but they ain't number one, though, because the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC, sitting at five and two on the season. They are first in the AFC East offensively. It would not be great the way that it is if it wasn't for Josh Allen. They are ranked number one in points scored per game with 33 because they have Josh Allen at the quarterback position. And so defensively, they are number one in the NFL in total yards given up per game and number one in the NFL against the pass. They are number one in the NFL as far as points allowed. And so right now they're playing some good football. And again, they have one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL in Josh Allen, 17 touchdowns, just three interceptions on the season, 1,972 passing yards for Josh Allen. The man is completing 65% of his passes. And they have been the most consistent team in the AFC, led by Sean McDermott. He got them playing very hard right now, and they're playing some great football. And right now, they're sitting at the top of the AFC. So those are my top five teams in the AFC. Number five, Tennessee Titans. Number four, the Baltimore Ravens. Number three, the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders! And the number one team in the AFC is the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So those are my top five teams right now in the AFC. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Who are your top five teams in the AFC? Now, who right now is my sleeper team in the AFC? My sleeper right now is the New England Patriots. You look at the New England Patriots, okay? They have won two straight games, although it was against the Jets and the Chargers. They have been very, very impressive in losses this year as well. Both games this year where I thought the Patriots had an opportunity to win games going up against elite teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the Dallas Cowboys, they were competitive in both of those games. You remember earlier in the season, even though they lost to the Bucs, Matt Jones completed like 19 straight passes in that game. And right now, the Patriots, they're 4-4 on the season. They're not going to win the AFC East because we know the Buffalo Bills are the favorites to win the AFC East. But they can possibly compete for a playoff spot. When you have Belichick as your head coach, the best head coach in the NFL, you have an opportunity to compete for a playoff spot in the AFC. And so, you know, in the game against the LA Chargers, they were able to, you know, contain Justin Herbert. You know, Justin Herbert, he had two interceptions in the loss against the Patriots. So I think the Patriots, they are a sleeper right now in the AFC. They really, really are. Matt Jones, he's coming along. He really, really is. Like, you know, in this game against the Chargers, he went 18 of 35, threw with 218 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but he's managing the game very, very well for the New England Patriots. So they are my sleeper team right now in the AFC. Let's talk about my breakout performer for week eight. 
And my breakout performer for week eight is none other than Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford in a dominating win over the Houston Texans. Matthew Stafford, he went 21 of 32, 305 passing yards, three touchdowns, completing 65% of his passes. It's four straight wins for the LA Rams, but it wouldn't happen without the greatness of Matthew Stafford. He is my breakout performer for week eight. Week eight. My disappointing performer of week eight is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz against the Tennessee Titans in a game that the Indianapolis Colts desperately needed to win. Carson Wentz went 27 of 51, threw for 231 passing yards, three touchdowns, two costly interceptions for the Indianapolis Colts. And both interceptions came in the final seven and a half minutes. And before this game, Carson Wentz only had one interception on the season. Only one interception heading into this week eight matchup against the Tennessee Titans. And he had two costly interceptions in the fourth quarter in the final seven and a half minutes with four, the fourth quarter and overtime combined. And so the Colts dropped the three and five on the season. And there are now three games behind the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. Wentz, you got to throw the ball better and protect the football. Your number one job as a quarterback is to protect the football. Carson Wentz did not do that in the week eight loss to the Tennessee Titans. So those are my breakout performers for week eight and my disappointing performer and Carson Wentz. Breakout was Matthew Stafford. Everybody, remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be back later on in the week, probably Wednesday or Thursday, and I'm going to be giving you my week nine wise picks. So many great games in week nine. You know I'm looking forward to Packers versus Chiefs, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a primetime matchup in week nine. I cannot wait to break that game down. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. I'm Trey Larkins signing off. Have a great Tuesday.